What's up, everybody, and welcome back, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. Um, I am all right. I'm ill. Uh, you can tell me to tell my voice. If I do break for a cough, I apologize, but no, I don't apologize. I'm ill. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's rasping my voice. It's gross. Um, so I'm back from Rome. I had an absolutely amazing time in Rome, experiencing some some Roman things like the Colosseum, the Roman Forums, uh, the Trevi Fountain, the Pantheon, um, some good Italian food. By the way, Italians out there, I don't know how you make any gains. There is no protein anywhere. Pizza and pasta seem to be fruitful and gelato. Uh, not so much chicken and steak. I lie. We did go for a steak, but it was rubbish. Um, supposed to be the best steakhouse in Rome, but it was not the best steak I've ever had. But it is what it is. We had a great time. We made the most of it. Did like 30,000 steps a day. My feet were in bits being 100 kilos. Um, I'm not the best walker for an extended period of time. Um, but it was a really, really good time. Like an amazing historical city. It was nice to get some nice heat, by the way. It was like 20, 26, 27 degrees like most days. Um, and it was really nice just to wear shorts and t-shirt, shorts and vest all day versus the bitter, bitter cold that I walked out in this morning. Uh, my nose is still red from walking this morning. Um, but a really, really good time. I would definitely recommend Rome to you. And if you are looking for somewhere to stay, don't stay near the Vatican because it's absolutely miles away. Um, stay in like Travestiere or close to the Pantheon or something like that. So that's my little Rome tip. I'm coming in for a Q&A because people love the Q&A and, and my brain is tired um, from being ill. So I can just read questions and answer them. Um, I'm feeling fairly savage. So if you've got a shit question and I answer it, I'm going to give you a shit answer and you're not going to like it. <laughs> uh, first question, should calories increase as I get further into a bulk? Yes. Yes, they should, because you're going to get to the point where you don't gain any weight anymore. Metabolism upregulates. This is why in a deficit, we have to continually pull down calories or continually put up cardio because your metabolism upregulates or downregulates to whatever you do. This is why people call say, oh, my metabolism is broken. I, I gain weight on 1200 calories. Well, it's maybe because you've been eating 600 calories every single day, you know, which is why people often have a lot of body fat, but don't eat very much every single day. This is not like your metabolism is broken. You just, your your output is down, your input is down, um, your metabolism just drives to a halt. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't build it back up. But similarly, for a bulk, your metabolism adapts to the food that you're on. So you have to continually progress it. Um, I hope that answers your question, my friend. Do you have particular leg exercises which made a big difference to your legs? No, um, it would just be the one that you connect to the most. For me, um, I'm pretty good with the leg press. I'm pretty good with, to be honest, there's no single exercise that I connect to the most. I just connect to all of them pretty darn well. Um, and likewise for you guys, it won't necessarily be like, oh, you got to get your, you got to do your squats to grow your legs. No, you don't. You just have to make sure that you're delivering as much trauma. It sounds pretty hectic. Delivering as much trauma um, or damage to the muscle that you can. Um, this can be in isolation. This can be in compound movements. It doesn't necessarily matter. The body doesn't go, oh, you're squatting now. I'm going to grow more. It doesn't do that. It actually just goes, oh, I've just received this damage. I need to increase my muscle to to not get the same damage the next time you do it. Um, 
It's not going to deter, like your body doesn't go. Oh, we're squatting now. I'm going to grow more. Oh, you're doing leg leg extension now. I'm going to grow more. It doesn't. The body doesn't know what exercises you're doing. It just recognizes the damage that you can deliver. Um, so pick exercises that you know you can deliver good solid damage. Damage sounds bad, but I mean like microfiber tears um, to the muscle. I'm taking out your business. Do you think social media is a good or bad thing? Um, I. I it's, it's never going to be black and white, you know, with things like social media, with anything. Nothing is really black and white these days. Don't get me wrong, there are black and white things. But yes, social media is amazing. I can now connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime. You know, I remember back in the day when I had a Nokia 7000, you know, the only thing I could do was send one text until my credit was up and that was it. Now I can get anywhere, anytime. I can talk to my parents. I can talk to my dad who's in Dubai anytime, any place, you know, I can learn things about the other side of the world at one finger click, which I think is amazing. I can experience cultures from, from the inside of my house. And yeah, okay, you might not say you're not immersing yourself in the culture, you're not really learning it, but yes, you fucking can. Like, yes, you can. I can sit here and watch 10 hours of YouTube and learn more about Japan than going there. You know, like there are some amazing, amazing things that social media bring, but there's also a caveat. Um, I think the biggest caveat right now is, is actually let me bring it back to down to like, let's say you're having a bad day back in the day when there was no social media, right? And, and the only thing that you could compare your bad day to was other people's bad days or other people's good days. But because you didn't have continual conversations with people, you just had to get on with your bad day, you know? Or maybe you heard about Sally from down the road who had a heart attack. Fuck me, I'm not having a bad day. Sally's dead. Do you know what I mean? But now when you're having a bad day, you open up your Instagram because you're bored and you're sad and you see post after post after post of happiness, of luxury, of, of, of rich people, of happy dogs, of amazing cat videos, and people who are having a much better day than you every single post, you know, so relatively you feel like you're having the worst day ever when really you just had to change four, like for me yesterday, I had to change four tires on my car and I'm like, fuck, it's so annoying. It's not annoying. You've got to do that because it's safe. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you are having a bad day, but someone's having a worse day. But in this day and age of social media, you don't get to see the people with having the worst days anymore. You have to tell yourself that because every time you go on social media, you see, you know, just pure happiness from people. So you, you really got to focus on being detached as much as you can um, from social media and realizing that it's not real, the real world, but then also appreciating the good parts of it. So there's never going to be a, a good or bad to social media, in my opinion. Um, it's difficult. Um, why on your current macro split do you eat protein so high at 270 grams? Um, I'm bigger than you, bro. Um, like, I'm a big dude. I'm like 104 kilos. Uh, times that by like 2.5, which is pretty much where an athlete should be eating. Someone who's, someone who's eating, uh, sorry, someone who's training as hard as I am. Someone who needs as much recovery as I am. Uh, would probably put me around 250 grams of protein, 240 grams of protein, probably where my minimum-ish should be. Um, and I've just added an extra 20 to 30 grams because I'm really, really hungry. Um, and we know that protein is more satiating, it's more thermogenically demanding. And we know that it's going to uh, kind of just help with that hunger that I've got because I'm really fucking hungry because I'm still five weeks post-show and my hunger is crazy. So protein is just a little higher to compensate for that. Um, it, it will come down later on as digestion gets harder, as food gets higher. Obviously, protein being more satiating, being harder to break down, I can then bring it down 
in the off season to a minimal effective dose and then prioritize carbohydrates. So it's nothing like crazy, like I'm getting more gains out of it. No, no, I'm just literally putting it in there because I'm hungry and I know that the same amount of carbohydrates wouldn't satisfy me. Well, it would satisfy me, but it wouldn't fill me up like my body wants to be filled up. Um, so there's nothing crazy to it. Um, just, yeah. Do you think it's beneficial to split jabs twice a week when running long esters of tests? So uh, for those who don't know about testosterone or, or, or know about st anabolic steroids, um, they're often attached to esters, which just allow, in very, very layman's terms, they allow the secretion of the the product over a period of time. We have short esters, medium esters, and long esters. Obviously, pretty much self-explanatory. The short esters release it pretty quickly, like a propionate. Uh, the medium esters... We'll, we'll do it over, you know, three to five days, and the long esters, five to ten days, cyprinate and anthate type thing. Uh, just for more stable blood plasma levels, I think it's better to split your jabs. I split my jabs Tuesday and Saturday. Um, and you don't need to do it because obviously the half-life of an enanthate is like a five to seven days. So as long as you're jabbing again after five to seven days, you're probably going to be fine. Um, I would just arguably say that it's more optimal to keep your blood plasma more stable and these fluctuations in um, these fluctuations in in hormone, obviously, if you're waiting five to seven days, you're going to get to the point where, where you do drop you know, a little bit below baseline and then you come back up and, you, and you're constantly fluctuating up and down. Um, whereas if you were to split that dose, I'm, I'm basically when I'm describing this, I'm picturing a graph, right? So if you, if you could picture a graph going from, you know, left to right, you jab, it spikes up high, it comes down, you jab, it spikes up high, it comes down. Well, if you split those jabs, those spikes and troughs are going to be much less significant um, and you're going to benefit, you're, you're going to benefit a lot more from that. So, um, I wouldn't worry too much about it if you don't want to do it, but I personally would if you're trying to be optimal. Um, how would you different, differentiate a good protein source from a bad protein source? I don't know if you're being serious. <laughs> like, good protein source, single ingredient foods, chicken, meat, eggs. Bad protein source, multiple ingredient foods. Uh what, anything like literally there's protein in pretty much everything right like gluten is, is is protein so you know in a bagel is a bagel going to benefit you as much as some chicken will in terms of protein no we're going to leave it at that uh what are the effects and stress on the body um and the ability to what oh what are the what are the effects of stress on the body and the ability to gain muscle and how to manage it. So stress is a killer. We know that cortisol is going to reduce muscle protein synthesis. We know that cortisol is going to reduce sleep. We know that reduced sleep is going to reduce your muscle protein synthesis. So we know that high stress is not a good environment to grow. Um, so you want to mitigate that. You want to relax as much as you can. You want to meditate. You want to put things in place that don't have you stressed. You want to time manage yourself you want to put yourself in a position where you don't need to frantically run somewhere and frantically get to the gym and finish your gym and, and frantically eat and then you know constantly just doing 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 that is a high stress environment and that is not the place to go um there's a lot of talk about how q8 and the, the oxygen gyms are, are are you know they're creating mass monsters um, because, because it's the drugs they use. Well, actually, it might not be the drugs they use. Actually, the routine that they have, they have like a chaperone every day who will wake them up 
and they've got their food ready. They'll walk them to the gym in their nice chauffeured car, in their air-conditioned car. They'll go train really, really hard, and then they'll go sit down, they'll have a nap, and there'll be these pro these time-programmed days where they're just all about mitigating stress. And it's just all about relaxing and, 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 and not you know, and, and being able to flick that switch into the parasympathetic state, which we talk about a lot. Obviously, the sympathetic being that fight or flight where your adrenaline rises, your your digestive enzymes reduce and, and your your heart rate starts to rise, your blood pressure starts to rise because you're ready to fight or flight, which is what would happen in the gym. But when you need to rest and recover, the parasympathetic state, which is what we call it, just the state of where your central nervous system is, that is where you want to be predominantly for the rest of the day. Um, and when we're in a day and age where we're having caffeine, which is sympathetic, we're in stressful jobs, which is sympathetic, we're having arguments with our relationships, that's sympathetic, you know, we're stressed about money, that's sympathetic. So we're in a place where we're constantly stimulated by sympathetic, or, or we're constantly stimulated by things that will drive us to be sympathetic, but we want to be parasympathetic as much as we can. So you basically just want to mitigate those where you can, you know. Um, whatever that may be for you, I don't know, but you need to work on it, find out, identify it, um, and then work on it from there. Um, any downsides to the faster rate of gain post-show? Still looking sick. Oh, he's talking about me. Um, yeah, so for most people, you probably would want to not have a fast rate of gain. Um, I'm not really gained that much fast, to be honest. Um, we have to consider that post-show, like I was shredded. I had zero body fat anywhere apart from viscerally, like around my organs and stuff, you know, like my glutes were shredded, my feet hurt to walk, I couldn't sit on chairs without cushions, like I don't want to be in that position for very long, so I needed to gain at least, at least four or five kilos of just fat, like literally just fat, so I could be comfortable to sit down, I could be comfortable to walk around, um, so that accounts for literally half the weight I've gained. And then we consider that with that fat comes a couple of kilos of water, you know, that's seven kilos of the 10 kilos I've gained. And then the three kilos, I'm on anabolics. Some of it's going to be muscle. Some of it's going to be glycogen. And yeah, and some of it's going to be fat, but like I needed that. So it's not really a fast rate of gain, to be honest. Um, it's more just a needed rate of gain. Um, sure, I could have been more meticulous and the rate of gain could have been slower, but I would have just felt worse for longer, and that's not where I needed to be. That's not, not, not where anyone needs to be, really. You want to be getting as healthy as you can very, very quickly. And if you're natural, like, even more so, like, you haven't got hormone support. You haven't got hormones there. Like, for those of you guys who follow me for a while, you know I was doing blood tests when I was natural. My, my natural testosterone was below, like, normal, like, like a fucking 90-year-old man. And it took me eight months to recover. Eight months to get my testosterone really, really high naturally so you can imagine like who gives a shit if you gain four or five kilos per show like you, you need that um so yeah that i think i think that's that's that pretty much sums it up could you walk us through your thought process of a cruise at 300 uh milligrams of testosterone instead of trt levels so i actually dropped down straight to 150 milligrams initially um just for a real low dose just to pull down anything um anything that I had kind of built up over the, the, the prep season, obviously running multiple compounds, orals and things like that. Um, and really just kind of putting yourself in the position where you're recovering as quickly as possible. Um, and just pulling off all my hormone would not have done that and would not do that. Um, I have to consider that I've got more muscle that I need to support. So I need a higher dose of drugs. Um, 
that's pretty much it. Like, don't get caught up in the numbers, you know? Like, this is why I'm very, very hesitant to talk about my cycle because now people are going to go, oh, Josh is cruising on 300 milligrams. That means I can. It's like, no, 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 like, this is for me. Like, I'm bigger than you or, or I'm smaller than you, you know, or my blood work's better than yours or my blood work is worse than yours, you know? So it's, it's very, very relative to who you are and, and where you're at. Um, and we've got to consider the muscle I need to support. We've got to consider the drugs I was on when I was... Um, competing you know just to pull off everything and just to put myself into a very low natural testosterone range is probably not a good idea um but because i'm cruising uh i'm getting my bloods done next week in fact probably monday and i'll have my results by wednesday or tuesday because they fast track me because i'm a boss no i'm joking i work with them so they fast track my results uh, and then i'll adjust my cruise dose you know that's it like if i'm super super high on the range and i'm way out of whack and i'm still not recovering i'm just bring it down like it's you know, it, like, that's the thing with drugs is, like, they get manipulated with blood work. You don't just fucking stick it in and hope for the best. You know, like, I'm doing this calculated. You know, I started on 150 just to really clear things out. Um, but I was doing 150 milligrams of Mastron to, to support myself a little bit as well in terms of muscle mass and feeling good and, 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 and not just going into shit. Um, and then we just take blood work and assess. You know, if I'm high, I'll come back down. If I'm low, I'll go up, you know. I know people who, who have run 300 milligrams um, of testosterone, of legit testosterone, and they've been very, very low on the scale because of whatever. They're bigger than me, the androgen profile that they've got, the reaction to the drug they have. I've also seen people who are on 250 milligrams who have who have had double the testosterone that I have. You know, So these individual pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics, um, they're individual. You know, So don't get caught up on, on what I'm doing um, or anything like that. Can you explain what a priming phase is? So a priming phase is is such a fancy word. It basically just means get leaner, really. Because um, we know that getting leaner um, will pretty much improve all biomarkers. Pretty much. Obviously, if you're shredded already, like, there's a point of diminishing returns, right? If you keep getting leaner, keep getting leaner, those things get worse again. Well, to a certain extent. But generally speaking, if you lose weight, your blood glucose improves your resting heart rate improves, your blood pressure improves, your aerobic capacity improves, your ability to perform improves, pretty much, you know, so a priming phase, pretty much everyone could do with one before you start like a coaching service or before you start a bulk, obviously if you've done it before and you're in the process of a bulk, cool, carry on going, but if you've never done a priming phase, if you're carrying a little bit extra timber, if you're trying to optimize what you're trying to do, I think a priming phase will really, really benefit you, um, just in terms of general health and well-being, for sure. Favorite muscle part to work out? I always get this question. I, I could not tell you. I love it all. What does your current water intake look like? I honestly do not count my water anymore. Um, I probably drink. Hang on. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my god, I've coughed on a podcast. I'm sorry. <coughs> oh, that sounds gross, doesn't it? Um, I probably drink. Half a litre with every meal, I have five meals, two and a half litres. I probably drink over a litre, 1.5 litres in my workout, that's four litres. I probably drink about five litres a day, roughly speaking. Um, give or take, half a litre or a litre or so. Um, I would just make sure you are never thirsty um, and your urine is a pale yellow. Um, you don't necessarily want to be overhydrated with like see-through urine. 
um, but like a pale yellow would, would, would be su suffice. Obviously dark, you want to kind of stay away from, but yeah, for most people between three and four liters would, would suffice. The next question is a good one. Would you still do bodybuilding if you didn't have the genetics for it and you knew you didn't have the genetics for it? Let me put it this way. I wouldn't be taking steroids. I definitely would not be taking steroids. I think it's very, very... Well, obviously, we've got to consider this as a personal opinion, right? So don't get butt hurt if you're taking steroids and you don't have the genetics for it and you know you don't. Um, but I don't see the point in fucking yourself up hormonally, health-wise, possibly put yourself at risk to all these things that steroids do for, for, for not winning anything, for not doing well. It doesn't make sense to me um, personally. And that's fine. So the answer is I would not be taking steroids if I knew I didn't have the genetics of bodybuilding would I still be bodybuilding I think it would depend when I realized I didn't have the genetics of bodybuilding so if it was like say say I wasn't taking steroids now and I realized right now oh I don't have this genetics for it I would probably still carry on because I love it and my like to a certain extent my career I wouldn't say it relies on it, but my career is based around it. I'd, I'd definitely still keep going because the natural bodybuilding scene is still alive. I know natural bodybuilders who are doing amazing, who know they're not the best genetically, um, but could still do pretty well. Um, maybe probably, you know, maybe get a pro card, but probably not be the best in the world. So I probably would still be bodybuilding, but I wouldn't be taking steroids, I don't think. I think, I think that type of thing um, is putting myself at risk for not, not, not much return. Uh, when you worked in retail, how did you prioritize what you spent on your finances on a budget? This doesn't make sense. Why, why does me being working in retail matter, relate to my finances? Not having a go, I just, it's just a funny thought process. Uh, I didn't, honestly. Like When I was there, I didn't have any fucking money. I lived in London. I earned about £1,300 a month. Uh, 800 900 of that went to my rent and no, probably a thousand pounds of that went to my rent and living costs uh so i had like 300 pounds spare so i didn't spend anything literally uh, that was just for food I, I literally did not spend anything ever um i was i was completely fucked when i was there um so i didn't i didn't really at all uh, best supplements to reduce inflammation and joint pain. Um, first of all, assess why there's inflammation. Assess why there's joint pain. If you're if you're biomechanically sound, if you're executing right, then you could look into supplements. My best supplements would be CBD. Um, I recommend Love Hemp UK. Josh twenty for discount. Um, something like fifty milligrams, seventy five milligrams pre bed can really help reduce inflammation. Um, something more direct for inflammation: liposomal curcumin and resveratrol from supplement needs insight supplement stock it josh 10 for discount <laughs> um but we know curcumin turmeric um has a pretty good anti-inflammatory property in it so i would definitely recommend something like that you could look into like glucosamine but i, I would much prefer curcumin turmeric um even things like ginger and, and other and other herbs like that will, will really really kind of help in a natural way um and then if you wanted to go into like peptides and stuff, like, you know, TB500, BPC157, these things can also help reduce inflammation um, as well. Um, so yeah. Do you offer social media coaching to help increase engagement and following? No, I do not because I am, I am in no way, shape or form a, a social media expert. I've got 33,000 followers on Instagram. I've got 33,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, 
that is absolutely a drop in an ocean compared to some of these top guys who are offering that kind of coaching. Um, I obviously know what got me here, and I do offer that advice pretty pretty publicly um, and for everyone, pretty much. You know, like I, I talk about that. In fact, I had a podcast the other day about growing your YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll do something about Instagram and everything like that further down the line. But in general, I don't offer that. I don't offer advice on things that I'm not an expert in. You know, like people often say, oh, can you give advice on investing? And I like, no, I can't because I'm not, I'm not an investor. I just invest like a little bit here and there based off kind of a few things that I know or see. But I've got no advice to give on that, you know. The same thing with steroids, in fact. Like people say, is this the best cycle for this? I don't know, bro. Like I'm literally following what my coach says. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an expert in steroids. I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be an expert in steroids. I don't want to be an expert in steroids. So I don't want to offer people that advice on it. Um, so no, sorry, dude. Uh, in depth, ooh, in depth thoughts on Buendia coming back to the O. Um, I don't really know how in, in depth I can go, but I always knew it was going to happen. Like, you can't mess up a peak like he did last year for that fight for five. Like, like fucking lame-ass shit that he was talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, he'll win. Like, if he comes back and he and he nails his peak week, he'll win. I don't see anyone beating him, ever. His physique was the best physique that I'd ever seen or I've ever seen on the men's physique stage, in my opinion. It's super aesthetic. It's the perfect men's physique shape. Um, the guys who were in the top three this year, for me, they're too blocky. Um, they obviously look really, really good, but they haven't got that typical men's physique shape that I'm looking for. Um, Buendia is is unreal, in my opinion, um, and I think no one could beat him on his day. If he comes back in, he peaks well, which I know that he probably can do with oxygen gyms. Uh, I don't think that anyone could beat him uh, at all. He's an absolute prick. He is an absolute prick. A lot of people said, why is he a prick? He beats women. Uh, he sells himself to the devil. He's got no fucking idea how to train. Okay, He knows how to train, but he he doesn't understand the mechanisms of hypertrophy. He doesn't understand. I literally, I literally opened up Twitter this morning. He goes, you have to squat for big legs. You heard me talk about squatting earlier. Like You don't need to squat for big legs. That's not how it works. You know, he's like, if you've got shit hamstrings, it's because you don't squat. He's like, what are you talking about, bro? No, it's not the case. Um, but because he's four-time Mr. Olympia, he just says, fuck off. I'm four-time Mr. Olympia. Who are you? And I just think people who have that mentality are just awful people. Uh, I think the last two of his girlfriends filed charges against him for beating them. I've seen what he's done to his ex-girlfriend. She posted all the... It was a huge thing in the industry. She posted all the messages about him and what he was doing, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. Like, so many fucking drugs gone to his head. He's probably a cokehead. He's a super angry little man, um, and he is the worst representation of this sport. But he is born to do this. He is absolutely unbelievable um, physically. Uh, that was all the questions. What's going on? I, I normally get way more questions. I think only 800 people have seen it. That's probably why. And I only put it up half an hour ago. That's fine. Um, I'm actually going to leave it there. My throat is really hurting. I'm feeling pretty ill. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed the very brief podcast. We'll be back with a few more stories. We'll be back with a few more things to talk about. Um, and all in all, thank you very much. Let's keep working. See you soon.